In the year 1831, biologist Charles Darwin began a fateful journey on the HMS Beagle. On that journey, Darwin formulated the controversial theory of evolution which has impacted society down to this day. Our goal is to punch holes in that theory, so we'd like to welcome you to Sink the Beagle. Fire one, Captain! Way to go, Stan. Love it. Thank you. Like to see those blub blubs, and down goes the HMS Beagle with the theory of evolution, thanks to a good place torpedo. I'm Stan Hudson. And I'm John Kurlinski. Welcome you to another fun-filled episode of Sink the Beagle, where we take a lighthearted look at the serious issues of creation, evolution, where we came from, where we're going, you it's in science, scripture, and whatever else enters our light-headed mind. Well, today we're, we're, we're going to look at scripture, but we're going to be limiting ourselves. We've been talking a little bit about scripture lately and faith, but most of the time when you talk about creation, mm-hmm. most people like to run, and, and, and rightfully so the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, right? Genesis one and two. But that's where it what started. if you only had one of those New Testaments, Stan? What if you had one of these little pocket New Testaments? Can you still really argue creation with just a half, uh, not even a half a Bible, a third of a Bible, or a fourth of a Bible? Mm-hmm. Well, we are obviously Old Testament believers. We're Old Testament thumpers. Uh, the Bible that Jesus used and quoted from, and Paul and all the New Testament people was the Old Testament to us. But let's just, for the sake of argument. Stay strictly to New Testament for this program, and we'll talk about what does the New Testament say is there about creation. Yeah, yeah, is there enough evidence to support creation? Does the New Testament speak of creation? And, and when you do a, a study, a careful actually, study, sure, a careful study, discover yeah. lots of things about the New Testament. Matter of fact, okay, there are only a few New Testament books that do not contain a quotation or a direct allusion to Genesis one and two creation account. Just Almost every book in the New Testament, barring a few of Paul's minor letters, uh-huh. um, and, and, a couple, and one from First John. Uh-huh. Don't talk about creation. So all the big ones, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Acts, Acts Romans, Romans, Corinthians, Hebrews, Revelation, many of the small epistles. I know Revelation does. The Book of Endings oh, certainly well, does. Oh, that's really loaded with creation it's, illusions and, and, and quotations. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, you get all these things from the New Testament speaking from the Old. Now, if someone asked you a question, what's the general flavor of these New Testament quotations, are they said in opposition? How would you kind of uh, describe the New Testament use of the Old Testament Genesis 1 and 2 record? If someone asked you that question, Stan, what would you kind of say about that? No, it seems like they always are quoted or referred to as though they really happened. They are always quotation marks around them as though they literally historically did take place. They're always favorably. There's not suggestions of a myth or a poetic way. We know it says it poetically this way, but there is this other truth that's greater reality. It's always uh, assumed to be so. One of the strongest arguments, actually, when you think of that, when you use it that way, is actually the very words of Jesus Mm -hmm. recorded in all four Gospels over the issue of marriage. Marriage is probably topic number one, isn't it? Topic number one, as far as the New Testament look at this idea of creation. Certainly Jesus' references, And and Jesus basically was talking about the issue of divorce, and he, he makes a reference saying that this is not 
as it was supposed to be as God intended from the creation of the world. And he goes and quotes Genesis. He's combining Genesis 1 and 2 in his response to mm-hmm. people asking about divorce, mm-hmm. trying to hook him up on a problem. Yeah, they had divorce problems in Jesus' day. They asked him about it. And whenever he talked about it, he referred as though literally God made man male and female and they became one flesh and so forth. Direct quotes from the Direct. Old Testament. As and if Moses actually wrote down what God said to tell him to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and always favorably and always as though that's the way it actually did happen. Now, here's where I have a major disconnect with lots of my other evangelical friends. Okay. Here's my God concept. My right. God concept is triune like theirs, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we look at the God concept of the Father and the Son and the Spirit as equal persons in one God. Mm -hmm. He's one. He's united. He's a Mm -hmm. plurality. Mm -hmm. They have all kinds of fancy theological terms. But the whole thing is God is love. He's three persons in one. Mm -hmm. Why would Jesus give so much credibility and authority to like the book of Moses? Wasn't Moses and all those books just written for the Jews? The Old Testament's just for the Jews and not for Christians? Well, not when uh, certain things like marriage and like uh, even Sabbath later on when he would reference that. He said it was made for man, not not just for Jews. No, he seems to think that it had a universal application. And he calls himself Lord of the Sabbath, which mm-hmm. means that he's the one who made it, knew what it was for. Mm-hmm. And if he is the creator mm-hmm. and he was there at creation, you have to start expanding your God concept to realize that Jesus and in the Father, who both, you know, that says in Malachi that mm-hmm. I am the Lord, I change not. Mm-hmm. And you go into Hebrews and, and it says there that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. They are both the same un changing being. Mm -hmm. Their creation is theirs. Their commandments are theirs. And so what I'd like to challenge our evangelical believers is to say, how big is your God? Is Jesus and the Father the same? Are they united? Are his Father's commandments different than his commandments? Mm -hmm. Is he going to have commandments that apply differently than his Father's? Or are they one in all their ways? You know, we we were talking, John, before uh, we came on to record this, and we're saying, really, it's worthy of a program by itself as Jesus the Creator. And I think maybe we'll spend some time on on an upcoming uh, Sink the Beagle to talk about that. Yeah. So the whole point we're trying to make is that Jesus' view... First off, he mm-hmm. quotes directly from Genesis 1 and 2 mm-hmm. and refers to it in answering a question. So he must have a definitive view as if he treats it as a, as a historical event, a real event, one they can trust in. He also, it was normative for the discussion. Yeah, and he also is saying something else is implied. The scriptures of the Old Testament are applicable for Christians today. Mm-hmm. In other words, that these Old Testament books were made not only for the people of God back then, but they're valuable for the people of God today, not just as information kind of nice illustrations. They actually contain revealing God's will mm-hmm. for their life. Mm-hmm. Jesus quotes that passage on marriage from the creation of the world as God's will. When people ask questions that, uh, that were perplexing their, their issues of the day, Jesus would refer to Scripture as the place to get the, the answers to solve the problems. Now, there are other places, by the way, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. not just Genesis 1 and 2, that talk of creation. Um, there are places in Amos, and there's places in the Psalms, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah, and sure. other books of the Bible, Job, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. talk about creation, but they always refer back to Genesis 1 and 2. Again, assuming it to be historical. Historical, and thus mm-hmm. when the scriptures in the New Testament quote those passages, or refer to those passages, sure. they also are going back again to the creation account. Right, Psalms has a lot, you're right. 
Well, what, what else do we find in the New Testament um, regarding well, creation? Well, there's a, a word that is uh, commonly used, and it's a hard one to pronounce. It almost sounds like you're trying to tickle somebody. It's ketisis. Oh, excuse me. Ketisis is the, is the noun. Ketisis, <laughs> ketisis. Uh, it, it is the word which basically is creation or what is created. And that noun, that verb, you know, all the family of words around that is a word that is used 38 times in the New Testament. And almost all of them, when you study it, seem to refer to creatures that God has made or things that God has created. Mm-hmm. There's a few times where it talks about human things. Well, there's actually just one. It's First Peter 2.13, and, and it has the word human added as an adjective. So it's every human creation or institution uh, in First Peter 2.13. But otherwise, it's an assu- assumption that if it's creation, you're talking about things that are created. You're talking about the creator God. As a matter of fact, you find it when Jesus is talking in Mark 10, verse 6, is the beginning of creation. That, that, that's mm-hmm. a phrase that is used, which take us back again. You know, mm-hmm. the New Testament looks at creation as an event in time that occurred, as, yes. it sa- as the Bible or the scriptures say it did. Mm-hmm. And which gets us to uh, an, another word that uh, we, will, we can reference to, and that's foundation. Yeah. Uh, the foundation of the world. And Jesus used that phrase in a number of settings. Uh, uh, from Matthew twenty five thirty four. he said, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And there are several other things about shedding of the blood of prophets from the foundation of the world. It's, it sounds like for Jesus, there was a time when the foundation of the world was laid. It was a point in time. You also, when you do read the creation story, the creation story in, in the creation event described in Genesis 1 and 2 was a, where, where it shows the revealing of God's work to make a place where he could dwell with people. Mm-hmm. That, that passage you just quoted has, shows the intentionality of God prepare a place I intended for you all along, mm-hmm. which then also gives a little bit of explanation of what he was here on earth to do. Part of his mission right. was to bring back people back to the creation which he had made. When, when it says that he came to save that which was lost, it's kind of a bigger context, not just the people, but just the world, all that was lost from it, all the conditions that arose, it caused the beauty to be lost, for life to be lost, all that will be redone. The, so, you know, when, when we talk about Jesus and and uh, in his use of scripture, mm-hmm. uh, there to me that says an awful lot. It definitely works into the creation account, what Jesus thought of, of the Old Testament, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, th- that we have eight points here. We'll run through them real quickly. Uh, number one is Jesus believed in the inspiration of, of the human authors of the Bible, of the Bible time. All of Scripture is a word of God through which God has spoken. He considered the prophets reliable uh, mediators of God's word. You find that in Matthew fifteen four and uh, 22, 31, 32 and some others. He also accepted the historical reliability of the scriptures, including all the important events of Israel and humankind's history, well, like the, the flood, the like the creation. Mm-hmm. Scripture is interpreted literally and typologically in Jesus' mind, and there's text on that. Typologically, which didn't necessarily 
necessarily mean it wasn't literal. Yeah, there's it some, just means there's, there's also symbol. prophetic with it, too. Yeah, exactly. Jonah yeah. swallowed the whale as Jonah swallowed... Uh, Jonah swallowed the whale. As the, the whale, whale swallowed, swallowed Jonah. Jonah. <laughs> That'd be pretty interesting so, feast. Yeah, fish fry. Just know? like that happened. <laughs> Jesus said that the Son of Man will be in the earth and come out of after three and days. that was so. a typological, yeah. But, Another, but based on a historical fact. Yes. There are also divine interventions in human history in the miracles were no problem for Jesus. Well, I would think not. He performed a few himself, didn't he? Yeah. And, and fourthly, he also used the scripture as authority and a weapon against temptation. Uh, when he was tempted in the wilderness in Matthew 4. And, and when we're talking scripture here, we're talking Old Testament. Mm-hmm. What else do we have, Stan? What are other number ways five, that... God's will and his work can be recognized through scripture. Bible doctrines are derived from scripture, which is the standard by which all behavior and all Christian doctrines must be checked. So it was an authoritative source of God's will. You know, when Paul is saying we need to test things by the scriptures, or mm-hmm. Jesus is saying test it with the scriptures, scriptures, that's Old Testament they're testing it by. Yeah, that's their Bible. Jesus also believed the scriptures contain genuine prophecies to be fulfilled. You know, we talked about from the foundation of right. the world. It also talked about times of before the foundation of the world as well when he talks about things. What he else talked about his own, you know, birth and his ministry as being predicted. Yeah. Number seven, Jesus was persuaded that scripture was directed not only to the original hearers and readers, but also to his generations uh, and generations that would live centuries later. And I think uh, the last one we have here is that Jesus, when you understand how he related to Scripture, especially the Old Testament, he expected his followers to know and believe and obey it as God's Word. Mm -hmm. And his disciples, when they understood how it was supposed to be read, they had heart-burning experiences, not in the negative sense, but right. didn't our hearts burn? Yeah. Weren't we excited of what God said? Mm-hmm. Unlike some other people who weren't excited about God's the intellectuals. word, like Sadducees. What yeah. did Jesus have to say to them? Well, they asked him a question, and uh, he answered and said kind of cleverly, I think a wonderful answer to the intellectuals of his day and maybe today. In uh, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, he said, You are mistaken, not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God. So maybe the intellectuals of his day and maybe today have a hard time trusting the Word of God and knowing the Word of God. And in doing that, maybe there's a related part that they don't know his power. And and Jesus, when he's talking Scripture, then was talking about the reliability, the accuracy of our Old Testament. We'll talk more about the Scriptures in Christ and creation in another Sink the Beagle. Thanks for listening to Sink the Beagle. We'd like to send you a special gift just for being with us today. Write to our email address, beagle at lifetalk.net, and ask for your free copy of Dr. Dwight Nelson's book called Built to Last, A Thoughtful Look at Creation and Evolution. Ask for Built to Last when you write to beagle at lifetalk.net. And be sure to listen in next time to another episode of Sink the Beagle. So join us here each week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile from seven stranded castaways here on Gilligan's Island.